Welcome to Oh the Cubanity. My name is Mike Mercadal. With me, as always, is Mike Mercadal's best friend, Chris Kwan, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. You don't have to do that every time. You're my best friend. I love you. Thank you for hosting this show with me. And uh, we have a very special guest. Uh, um, you're the, well, uh, old friend of Chris's, the head of the Ariana... Uh, Ariana Center. Ariana Center. I'm sorry I forgot yes. Center. Uh, no, it's fine. But um, ladies and gentlemen, a round of applause wherever you are for Tony Lima. Give it up for Antonio Lima. Me encanta. I love that. I feel like we should be hearing something like pew, 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 or something as you said. Oh, the, 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 the standard club. Uh, bah, 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 yes. Yes. Um, yes, yes, yes. Don't yes. worry. We will edit uh, funky music, slick DJs. You know, yes, Debbie Deb. I love that you know that. I love that you know that. As the person well, thank who's you for good. Having me on. Of, course, you're, of course, you're very welcome. Uh, you've known Chris a long time. Uh, you know, uh, before we get rolling, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's listening. Thank you to everyone who has um, uh, shared this podcast, who's uh, subscribed to the podcast, who's um, voiced their opinion, whether pro or con, because the interaction, the algorithm loves it. Uh, so either way, you're helping us regardless what you say. You you can't stop us. Um, the machine, also, the machine has begun. Cuando la máquina empieza no para. Cuando la máquina empieza no para. This is how it goes. The algorithm man. must be fed. <laughs> but um, no, genuinely, we we love the support. Thank you all for the subscribers and the shares. And if you would like to really help us, you can go on um, Apple Podcasts and write us a review. Give us five stars and write us a review. You know, call us or whatever the fuck you want on the thing. Who cares? Please? Just leave us five stars and write a little thing that totally helps. And and genuinely, we will read them and uh, take it, take advice or criticisms. We 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 take it all, but we will read them. And um, I would also like to say that um, Oh the Cubanity is part of the Missing Sock Podcast Network. Uh, tons of great shows on the Missing Sock Podcast Network. I have a question with Amanda Van Nostrand. She's doing a, a financial uh, advice. And, like, um, it's she's a comedian in, in New York City. She's She talks to a bunch of, like, she's she's not an expert, so she has a question. She asks experts. She did a whole election special. She did a whole – she's doing a whole thing on uh, women's health. She did a whole thing on uh, – and she's currently doing something on finances. There's also st- fun, goofy shows like – Mystic Lasagna celebrating its two-year anniversary. It's a show with uh, my friend Alex and Paul, and they are—they literally do tarot card readings, but instead of tarot cards, they use randomly generated Garfield comic strips. Wow. Yes. Wow. That is 100% a true podcast, and they've been doing it for two years, and people love it, and it's, it's broadening your mind and uh, tapping into the mystical field Full of Garfield energy. Wow. And it's, Which brings it's, me to my next podcast venture, Babalao by Los Fonomemecos. <laughs> <laughs> I can help you with that, actually. I'm really good friends with the son of one of the Fonomemecos of El Flaco. Oh my gosh! So, okay. Yeah, when you want to do that, yeah, we, I, I'll hook you up. See, okay. this is how shit. This is how shit happens. Someone makes a goofy joke. Someone makes a joke, and then someone's like, "Oh, we can make that happen." And then it's like, "Oh no, now I'm committed to this goofy thing I said one time." Uh-huh. Hey, it sounded fascinating to me. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. That's <laughs> no, pretty awesome. But uh, the Missing Sock podcast. There's a bunch of other shows, and uh, you should check them all out at Missing Sock Network, uh, Missing Sock Network.com. And if you want to join the Patreon. 
uh, you can go to patreon.com slash missing sock. I also do another show on there where I guide my my friend through the MCU and we give it context. It's a it's like uh, it's a lot of fun, but there's a bunch of good shows on there and bunch of bonus content on patreon.com slash missing sock. Um, but that's it for the plugs section of this show. But we want to talk to our guest. This whole show is like a plug for you to say whatever you want, because we want to showcase progressive liberal Cubans in a, in, in a way that doesn't feel restricted, because that is something that Chris and I have both dealt with forever. Whenever you express a difference of an opinion uh, uh, from the Cuban norms, it always got smacked down. Now, Tony, you are uh, you, you are. LGBT uh, plus spokesperson, you are you you organize and you uh, inspire you know actual change and help for people in this community. In the Cuban community, do you feel there's support for the LGBT community, or or is it something that is more adversarial? You know that's a that's a really interesting question because when I when I started doing this work, probably twelve fifteen years ago at this point, initially as a volunteer. Mm. with other organizations. And finally, I ended up heading my own organization, which happened to be the longest-serving LGBTQ rights organization in the state, right? And during wow. my tenure, um, during my tenure, we sued the state of Florida and brought marriage, same-sex marriage, to the state of Florida. I'm one of, like, five people that can say they were directly involved in bringing, making marriage a reality for same-sex couples in the state of Florida. And through that time, I had to work across the aisle because I'm, I'm very much a progressive Democrat, right? Mm -hmm. I am the poster boy for everything you just said, right? right progressive yeah. issues, I'm right here. Um, but in, in doing that kind of work, I realized very quickly that I had to have a significant connection to the Republicans in power. And it happens to be that Republicans in power in South Florida and also in Tallahassee, for the most part, are Cubans. Right. And, and it's, your question is so interesting because I feel like I was able to find a very specific niche for myself mm. where I was that openly gay guy fighting for LGBTQ plus rights, but also the, the familiar and comfortable Cubanito that could right. forge these relationships with these conservative Republicans that could see me as one of their nephews, right? Someone that yeah. was familiar to them, like a, like, uh, uh, one of the kids in their family, for that matter. And I think that's something that worked very well for me because the issue with LGBT, when it comes to policy, mm. Republicans generally, other than <laughs> Ileana Ross Leighton, who <clears throat> historically having a transgender son, right. her son Rigo is also an activist. Ileana was also was very, very supportive of our community. But for the most part, uh, the Republicans needed to be taken along. And that familiarity that like connect that cuban connection of like this guy could be un hijo mio right un, un, un sobrino mio un nieto mio went a long way right i can tell you that one of the things that i that i was able to to lead my former organization through was the establishing of transgender rights mm. in miami-dade county right and the reason why i was able to make that a reality was because of those cuban connections right because the chairwoman of the Miami-Dade County Commission at the time, Rebecca Sosa, was a very conservative, very religious school teacher. Right. Do you feel, right? you, you know, like, oh, so that's, the Ariana Center is uh, mainly focused on trans, uh, trans rights? Is that, is that? We're, we're focused on LGBTQ plus rights in general with a big focus with on a... the trans community. Yes. Why? 
because the trans community is the most marginalized right. and most vulnerable within our community. Right. Increasingly so. As you saw, like Biden today. Yeah, that was big news. Order. We're so happy to right. have you on today because this is a, this is a big <clears throat> a big thing that happened today as as the at the time of recording. Uh, you'll hear Absolutely. the listeners will hear this later, but at the time of recording, Biden signed an executive order, kind of, uh, uh, did, did it just remove what Trump did, or did it? Yes. Is it a yep. difference? It just okay. removed it, uh, it the, just the removed transgender military ban. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And and why is that? Because Biden understands, as a progressive leader, that the most marginalized within Ooh. the LGBTQ realm are trans people. I do have right? an issue with people pointing to Biden as a progressive leader. Because he is not, you don't you understand what I'm saying? Like he's he's a Democrat and he's sh- totally the in the leaning in the right direction, but we get I get I get into trouble all the time because people people will will assume that like if I'm in an argument say with uh, the Trump people in my family, God bless them, I love them, but they will make a like an argument assuming that I believe in Biden the way they worship Trump. And I'm like, if you think Biden is my guy, we are already starting off at the wrong place because Biden also has a track record of, you know, the criminal justice reforms in the 90s that were horrible for people of color. Like he's he's not necessarily he's Diet Coke Republican. Like, you know what I mean? Him as a person. Him as a person. I agree with you completely, because remember that people evolve when we compare Biden to, let's say, Obama. Right. The last Democratic president. Obama didn't start off being very supportive of LGBTQ people at all. Right. Right. But he evolved. They all evolved slowly but surely. What I can say is that Biden is the first president that from the get go is doing anything for the LGBTQ. That's 100 percent true. You're fair. The the only reason I brought that up is because of the what seems to be cult like worship that has taken over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That has taken over in the last four years. Or, or eight years really since the birth, like even before then with the birtherism and all that stuff, before he was president, that that the idea that my politics is tied to this man in any way is already the wrong, like starting point. It's all about like policy. So me as a straight cis het man. I love that you said that, by the way. What, yes. you, you, I mean, it's, it's... No straight man says, I'm a straight cisgender man. They never say that. So the fact that you're saying that is pretty you, amazing. No, I've, like, we're going to talk about it later, but the whole pronouns... Like, I've, look, if someone wants to identify a certain way, what the fuck do I care? You know, like, I can't make a You know, like, all right, good. But it's also like, all, you know, there is that idea that, oh, if you support them or whatever, or you get, like... Growing up, I mean, I'm a I'm a little younger than you, but I grew up in the 80s and the 90s, you know, like where people would call each other, you know, a lot like like homophobic slurs and and all these things as like just part of the language. And if you it still happens, of course. But like it seems that there's a little bit more awareness of of how negative it can impact people now now than it was then. But like I, I once got called a homophobic slur because I have long eyelashes. You know what I mean? Like, oh, of course. like that level of like Esa fear. Yeah, yes. yeah, I, I, yeah. Like listen, I get it. The fear of being labeled a certain, you know, be, being labeled as gay or being labeled, a, you know. Um, well, it's rampant. I mean, it's it's, it's rampant so in the Cuban rampant. community, yeah. and I I think definitely for Cuban for Cuban men, I, I'll never forget when I was. 
like 19 years old, I had, by that point, my best friend and I had been best friends for like six, seven years. Oh yeah, we, you couldn't separate us. And we looked like twins. Uh, the movie, the movie Twins, where Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito, just kind of like me and you, Mike. Because I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. the short, chubby, white Cuban guy. He's this tall, six foot two, dark Colombian guy. And I've come to find out secondhand information. My mom tells me, and I've never, I've never seen this. I've never shared this with my dad in my life. That my dad came to her one day, breaking down, crying. Because he thought I was gay. And I'm, I mean, one, I, I just happened to not be gay, but also the, I've never seen my dad cry and I've done other amazing things in my life. I, 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 I'd like to think I've done some major accomplishments that have never made my dad so overwhelmed with one kind of emotion than just the thought of the possibility that his son could be gay. Could be gay. Yeah. And absolutely. And, and, and that's, and, and there's, to me, there's a, maybe you just, maybe it's my family trauma. I have three uncles who are, who are gay. And one of them who passed away sadly in the nineties from, from HIV AIDS. And so I don't know what it's like to be my dad. I don't know if the trauma comes from literally just the notion of someone being homosexual i don't know if it comes from the fact that he grew up he grew up in america in the 80s and it was the aids the hiv aids epidemic and it was so broadcast to be such a thing that was the part of the just gay community it my entire life it has been something that again i feel like all the women in my life are completely normal about it but the men the Cuban men. Yet yeah. then I then this is why I love having Tony on the show. Tony was one of the inspirations. I know you guys can't see me, but I have a very epic beard. And that is not that <laughs> is and I, I don't I'm not saying I'm an I epic beard. I'm saying I have an epic beard. Okay. There's a little bit of a difference. Although Chris, I guess yeah. to be fair, to be fair. Having a beard and being a beard, being two totally being different things. Being yeah. a beard. But it, it took it what's crazy is is Tony Lima is the before Tony I had a, a lame goatee I just had a mustache and some stuff under my under my lower lip I remember and that goatee it was terrible and Tony <laughs> Lima I looked at Tony and again being raised by a man who would break down in tears at the mere thought of his son being gay and I looked at Tony as one of the most masculine men I've ever seen in my life so much so that when he told me I could look good with a beard I grew it out and have never, ever looked back. And I just, I find that to be something that, that is, I don't know. Look, I'm very self-absorbed. So I think the world revolves (laughs) around me, but I do find it interesting that a person like me who grew up in a household and around family who were so again, homophobic could just be so wildly accepting of it. And that's why one thing that, that baffles me about the Cuban community is that a lot of times you'll hear, Coño, the thing is, of course, I'm a little racist, man. I grew up with my grandmother saying this. Coño, of course, I'm a little homophobic. I grew up with this. My family, what did you expect me to be? And I go, I don't know, bro. I grew up with a bunch of microaggressive parents that said a bunch of microaggressions toward everyone and their mother that you could possibly imagine. And here I am. And I'm not here discriminating against all sorts of people. So I just say that to say... 
Thank you, Tony, for the beard. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, but listen, there's a there's the, what you said is extremely loaded, right? Because it's you're you're one of those people that um, that I admire very much. I've seen you sort of grow up over the years, and I love what you just said. And I think that as an openly gay man, that's been openly gay always, right? When did you, if you don't mind me asking, when did you come out? I, I came out when I was 20 years old. Okay. And when I started my, my career at 22, when I graduated from college, I never hid the fact that I was gay by far. I wouldn't mm. talk about it because I knew intuitively that I wasn't necessarily what everyone else thought gay to be. Right. right. And I think this ties back to and not listen i respect everyone in the lgbtq plus umbrella what your gender identity and expression is i celebrate wholeheartedly i happen to be a very masculine presenting openly gay man right right and i think i've used that mm. um in order to be successful within the realm that i work in this also ties back into what you asked me before, like, how did all of these Republicans, how did they deal with a Cuban guy? Well, part of the reason why I was, why I became like the safe gay guy mm -hmm. is because I'm masculine presenting. If I would have shown up, you know, maybe presenting in a drag. little bit more feminine, <laughs> right. not even in drag, but presenting a little bit more feminine, I don't know that I would have been able to pass as much policy mm. as I have at all levels of government over the last 10, 15 years. I mean, right. So, but it all stems from a very interesting place. Like toxic masculinity is a real thing. Mm -hmm. And that predates all of us. It predates the 80s. It predates yes. the 70s, 60s, right? So it's not referencing a specific time because when you consider that even before the HIV crisis in this country, there were the Johns Committee, right? Mm. Where police officers were, would go into gay bars pull the gay men out and then publish their names in the newspaper the next day and ruin their careers just because there was this intolerance um, for someone that was a little bit different, right? right? So like toxic masculinity is what within our culture, unfortunately, what we all lead with. Me growing up as, as I knew I was gay probably at six, mm. right? When my abuelo used to take me to the Baltimore Oriole spring training games at the Miami stadium that you guys probably don't even know what that, that is, is a while ago. It hasn't yeah. existed was, forever. Right. Maybe. I think I, maybe you mean a little Joe kid. Robbie. Yeah. Or I think you mean pro player or what? I think you no. mean Landshark, so Hard right Rock, now. Sun Life, Sun Trust. This was all the Dolphin. Miami stadium. Like again, maybe yeah. La Pata. Wait, right? now, now I'm, I was mad when you said you had another best friend, but I let that slide. Now <laughs> you are talking about <laughs> an old stadium. Now I'm mad. No, I'm kidding. That, and that's where the Baltimore Orioles did their spring training. Yeah. And my grandfather would take me. And I remember being super attracted to those baseball players. Con eso bushy bigotes, super yeah. machote. Yeah. And I, I was like, what? What it? Like, why am I feeling this? That was did the you, first time that I probably knew that I was different from other boys. Did your, you know? did your family, were they... Was it one of those things that when you came out, everyone was like, "Yes, we get it," you know, or was it like no. it was a big, it was no, a it surprise? Was horrifying. It was it was horrifying to my family because I think I probably remember those moments where I, where I probably knew as a child that I was gay. I just didn't know what to term it. Right. But for my family, like I always had girlfriends. I was popular with the girls. Mm. I I was at, in high school in my homecoming court, right, and I had dated like three other girls on the court. And in college, I had girlfriends. It wasn't until the tail end of college 
that I went to Los Angeles actually to, to fulfill an internship with initially with Miramax Pictures, also not around anymore. It's the liberal Hollywood elite that got you, man. They right, turned you right. gay. <laughs> well, actually, it was a, a, a Disney animator because Miramax was on the Burbank lot of right. Walt Disney Studios. And in the commissary, I met a young Irish animator that I fell head over heels for. The good news is that we're still friends 20-something oh, years a, later. That sounds like a Pixar movie. I know it should have been a Pixar movie. It should be the first. It, the I, first I should sell that story. It's yes. the first openly gay Pixar story and have it be literally about Disney animators. I got you. Yes. I got you. And the fact that it's an, uh, I'm, I'm not just going to say something stupid. I was thinking it could be called Patatas Bravas is all I was thinking it could be called. <laughs> what? Uh, just what? potatoes. No, no. Uh, yeah, potatoes because of the Irish. Yeah, I guess and then bravo, right? you're just going? brave. I, I don't know. Look, yeah. it was it's a working title, okay? Just let's go with it, okay? <laughs> let's you brainstorm. Sprinkle, let's let's brainstorm. sprinkle some paprika on it and Listen, move on. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here yeah. for it so we can explore this some more. But it, it wasn't until that that moment that I realized yeah. I this is what I need to do. And I went back. I was at Florida State at the time, my senior year in college. I came back and broke up with my girlfriend that I was supposed to marry in like nine months. Wow. Right? Wow. He was looking. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank God. Because listen, otherwise I would have been like every other gay man that I meet in Miami. Que se casó. They had three kids. Right. And then they left their wife. And I feel like that's such such an awful thing to do. Right. Like have the cojones to come out of the closet. Right. Forget what your family says. Forget what society says. But don't ruin someone's life. That, right? that is the that is the question, though. Do, is it a matter of like have the cojones to do it, or I think so. Is it the the fact that the threat of coming out w could ruin? Like, like that, like there's such a negative impact, like it divide, you know, <sighs> look, it, let's not mince words here. Coming out of, of the closet is, can be a threat to someone's life, you know, in some ways, like still today, like, just, like, just like, there's constantly stories about, especially in the trans community there, like there's so much violence and, and, and many homicides Absolutely. for the trans, in the trans story. community. You know what's so it's thing? still, it's still dangerous. You know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's one like, thing I about Tony that, that. I mean, the cubanity of Tony mm. to me can be summed up in one phrase. And this is the thing, man. Si te gusta bien. Y si, y no, si no, también. También. Right. And exactly. man, Tony, do you embody that? Because everything you're, everything you're saying to me just kind of like reaffirms that to me, man. So that, yeah, take, it, take me as that. I am. Yeah. Listen, and, and I think it's so important to be our authentic selves, regardless of what that means. Right. right. And when it comes with uh, when it comes to the trans community, we're talking about a community of people that can't find jobs, mm. are often are often pushed into survival sex work. Many are living with HIV. Many have to um, really live marginalized and painful lives because simply of who they are. Right. So I don't, in any way, shape, or form, do I want to compare my experience as a white. Latino cisgender masculine presenting man no, with right. someone from from the trans community. Right. No, for I me, didn't. I didn't mean to imply those things. But like, even in even yeah. in as a, a masculine presenting man, that if you even even then the threat is 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 high. So there's there's yeah. there's. I just I feel I feel I, I get what you're saying, but I I take a lot of and I'm gonna stand on my soapbox right now. Sure. But I feel like if you are if you are your authentic self mm -hmm. and your family loves you and your family supports you, they will be around. And if they're not around, 
there's no way that you can stay in the closet and not live your best life, live with authenticity right. and with pride and with with everything that comes with that simply for keeping yeah. other people happy. So it's not negotiable. You know what I mean? The, yeah, if, like living your best, living as your true self without your a family that supports you will never be beat or will always be better for you as a human being than hiding your true self just to make your family happy. Absolutely. And yeah. families come around, right? Sure. Like, I think it's a different story. We were talking about, like, that construct of having, you know, Cuban parents. Chris, your father, he started to cry when he potentially thought that you were gay. But the reality is they get over it yeah. because you are their children, right? Yeah. And, and, and I think there's something to be said for that. And that's why we are, as a whole, I think we are accepting of our people, right? There's a, a very interesting... Um, an episode of Que Pasa USA. I don't know if you guys ever watched Que Pasa yeah, USA. Sure, right? Yeah, sure, I've seen it. Of course. Yeah, so very, very <laughs> it's, it's a, a different situation, but a, a very um, interesting, um, it's relatable in this sense, right? There was an episode where um, Carmencita dates a black guy mm. and the family's freaking out because she's dating a black guy, but then their family friend, Miguelito, who is darker than the black guy, comes in and they're like, wait, he's not black, he's Cuban. And I think that that mm. the notion of that is very interesting it because is if the... they see you as Cuban, the gay becomes secondary. You become as right. your your family accepts you, people support you. You know, and it I, is and the I Cubanity that binds us. The Cubanity, the, the Cubanity that binds the us. Cubanity. And I think there's there's just a lot of I have a lot of contempt for men, and I've been in relationships with men like this that destroyed their wives' lives. Mm. They brought children into the world just so that the children could live without a father. Mm. Like when when you're affecting the lives of other people, have the cojones to come out of the closet right. and live your best life. Don't destroy anybody else's life. And I'm very yeah. proud of the fact that I never did that, right? right? right. I, you know, I could have been married like every other Cuban, con tres hijos, and then, I know, ahora voy a salir de closet. No, dude, you should have thought about that before you involved all these other people in, in your life, it's in your journey. It's interesting you bring that up because you're, I, I am, I am I, you know, I'm child-free. So I have... Throughout my whole life, I've never wanted kids, and I think I think it's because I saw so many people have accidental children with people they hate that I was like, <laughs> I was so scared of getting a girl accidentally pregnant. It's someone who I didn't want to be. With. I, yeah, it's always with someone they hate. I could see if it. It's always with like like the angriest load is like the most fertile or whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for whatever reason, but it is it is. It is something that I was always like very conscious of. I'm like the safest sex person. I would always be, you know. And it wasn't until my 30s that I was like, like just just recently, a few years ago, where I was like, oh, this is not a situational thing with the right right girl. This is kind of who I want to be. So I'm not going to. And rather than force, you know, who I was with at the time to go on hormones and change their physical chemistry I, t I had a vasectomy and i decided to live outside of the standard rules of engagement for humanity and not have kids and not 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 have a family and it it even that alone has has put me outside of like in no way am i comparing the two i'm just putting that saying that first but it is outside of the scope of what everybody assumes Right. Oh no, I can understand so, that. So, so I was just gonna do the progressive, like, 
finger snap thing to your to your courage really to live outside of the box and do things how how you want to do them and you living your authentic self. I will say it has been difficult because they're like uh, now that some relationships have ended because of this. It's because but you're absolutely right in that if I had had a kid, I would be more miserable and then I would be miserable around that kid who didn't do anything to er deserve the like you know the kid's just this innocent bystander to the whole me not being responsible enough for my own like I like my own self. So when so when like I I hear stories. I, I just love the idea that you're am among all of these conservative Cuban people, and then you like Trojan horse yourself in there with croquetas or whatever. You know, like, just, like the like you just like sneaking, like, hey, I'm Cuban just like you. Also, let's pass this legislation. Can I, can so I ask can Tony? Yeah. Has there ever been? Has there it. ever been? Is there like a it. highlight where you're like, my God, my Cubanity got me so much deeper into. So like they even maybe you surprised yourself that you said, I, I can't believe I pulled this off because we, and, and by the way, we get it. And I'm not ob like oblivious to like, look at the three of us. We're three white passing Cuban American progressive liberal guys. I, I, I get this. Also I, three I, very handsome. We're so handsome. Yeah. For we are as handsome as they come humble and so much humility <laughs> pouring out of these screens. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But yeah, so just curious, question, have you ever yeah. impressed yourself with what you've been able to do? Uh, well, I think the issue, I, I mentioned it before, but so the, the human rights ordinance in Miami-Dade County was passed ultimately in 1998 hmm. after three tries um, and, a, and a, a very public fight that dated as early as 1977 with then orange juice pusher slash beauty queen Anita Bryant. So if you know any of that history, mm. right, there were people trying to pass a human rights ordinance that would um, really protect LGBT people, LGB people initially, against discrimination in the workplace. That started in 1977 and finally passed in 1998. Here I come with my former organization in 2013 and try to expand that same human rights ordinance to include the transgender community right. in front of a Miami-Dade County commission that was predominantly conservative. Yeah, at least four, four or five of the commissioners at the time were, were Cuban, right? And the chair of the commission, I mentioned her before, who I adore, Rebecca Sosa, she's wonderful, except when she's pushing Marco Rubio or one of those yahoos mm, i can't mm, deal with it but mm. she is the absolute reason why the human rights ordinance was expanded and while why they are transgender protections the second person that that helped me push that through was the former mayor of the county carlos jimenez who's now is a sitting congressman and just wow. voted not to impeach trump very disappointed in him yeah. but the reality is that my cubanity and my conversations with these people and my Oh my God, just convincing of how we all need to be afforded the same rights, mm. the same responsibilities and the same respect to be able to live the American dream. Was, and in the end, it was that. Was there ever it a moment, them. can I ask, was there ever a moment, maybe it didn't happen in front of you, but was there ever a moment that you just saw the light bulb kind of pop up above their head that something you said, someone they were around, were, were you around when the light bulb came on in their head and said, yeah, let's treat these you know, people like people, people. Like people. <laughs> and, and again by the way i want to say something 
I am very much a believer. The world is not just so black and white. There's so much gray area. Rebecca Sosa, like Carlos Jimenez, absolutely done a bunch of stuff that I don't agree with. But absolutely done a bunch of stuff that I agree with. And that's just, that's the world we live in. But I went, did you, were you there? Did you get to witness the light bulb in their you head? You know what the, the thing is? The medium is the message, right? That's an yes. old effigy. And the reality is that the same message that I was purveying several before me had started to purvey because I took on this fight in 2013, but this fight had probably dated back five or six years of people trying to do this. Mm -hmm. But then I come in with my Cubanito swag, uh, <laughs> making friends with everybody, yeah. right? It's the truth. Yeah, yeah. Making friends with everybody, making meaningful connections with Rebecca Sosa and her staff, making meaningful connections with the mayor's office. And slowly but surely, this happened. And it happened all within like a stretch of... of I don't know, six months, right? Like, so, and, and it was all because I was the relatable mouthpiece for the issue. Right. And you and weren't trusted what I had to say. Did, and I didn't come in wearing heels. Right, right. You, you, there's this element of like approachability that isn't, um, that isn't like a, some sort of violation to an assumption they have. But, but also like what, what Chris was talking about is very, was, it's kind of like uh, one of the cruxes of the show is that, the gray area with the way that we as a as like when you hear the word cubans cuban americans there it's presented in this black like in the cuban community there's this black and white of if you're not a diehard republican you're a comunista and you're a fucking you know like you want to you're spitting on your grandparents graves and all this bullshit they, they'll come up with you know that that you're some sort of a violator of of what it means to be cuban and as someone who is um as someone who is not conservative like i don't even know what to say because it's not even progressive or liberal it's literally just not trump culty all you see is that and when you see that do you feel like how do we combat that image other than just constantly putting out different messages, like what we're trying to do and, and, and all that stuff. But like, how do you have that conversation in a conservative group? Because you have had to go into the lion's dens many times. And is it, do you feel like what you're doing is an authentic representation of you, of you as a person and then you as a representative of the community, the LGBT uh, plus community? Or is it is it something that you feel like you have to massage a little like you have to kind of ease them into you know well it's interesting because i think i if there's one thing and, and chris can attest to this that i i lead with um i lead with my heart i lead with a lot of integrity and with a shit ton of authenticity hmm. right cool but what was what was my my cuban saying chris si like you points for me si te gusta bien y si no y si no también it's, it's really using the, the power in that to push forward. Mm. I'll tell you a couple of other sort of side, uh, side things that kind of helped me along too. It helped me to ally with um, moderate Republicans, right? Mm. One, of, one of my dearest friends in the whole world is Jessica Fernandez, who was the president <clears throat> of the state of Florida, young Republicans for a very long time, mm. right? And with that, I also say that this whole ideology, and she's very much a Cuban Republican, she's inherited a lot of that from her family. Mm -hmm. But I think the good news is that those hardcore Republicans mm -hmm. that spew all of that insanity, 
are dying off slowly but surely. When you consider that every uh, Latinos for Trump or Cubanos Trump rally that happened in South Florida, most of the people out there were 60 plus. It gives you a very visceral. Oh, you mean literally? Uh, literally, <laughs> literally right? like, yeah, they're literally dying. Like that was. That wow. was not listen, man. Listen, <laughs> Leon Medical Center is trying to keep these motherfuckers alive. Okay, they're like, it's true. Si, si se mueren, nunca ganamos otra elección, otra vez, otra sin vida, bro. It's, but, but that's a very, a very real thing. Like these people are dying wow. off there. There are people in their 60s that you hear that kind of craziness from because even the younger Republicans are not that conservative. And the reason why I think it's generational and these people are dying off is because this notion that Cubans are Republicans dates back to the Bay of Pigs invasion mm -hmm. when, according to Cubans, right, JFK did not do enough to help liberate Cuba. And let's just leave it there because it's a quite a complicated topic. <laughs> But the reality is that JFK became like the pariah for everything we were not supposed to be right. as, as a cultural group, right? As an identity. And that's something that people can't identify with mm -hmm. anymore because pasó hace una tonga de años and those folks are gladly dying off. I have a lot of Republican friends that are kind of like what we were talking about offline initially, right? Socially, we're very progressive, mm -hmm. but when it comes to fiscal issues, we're more conservative. I think that's the reality right. of what the new GOP will become. The reality is that Donald Trump acabó with the modern day GOP. Right. So what has to happen? A young person with more moderate views has to come up and become that face, that energy behind what the new Republican Party has to be because otherwise they're going to die off. And, and that face is Tony Lima. You have to sneak in there and <laughs> no, you got to no. infiltrate. Dale, Pablo, dale, come on, man. Come on, bro. This brings it back. You gotta be our beard. Tony, you gotta be our beard, man. Listen, I'm I'm a huge aficionado of drag, but I will not do Republican drag. I've got the perfect you could be Barba Ro. Come on, man. Barba Ro Publicano. Barba Ro. No, Chico, no, no puedo. Listen, I was asked at one point to run in a state representative race as a Republican. And I considered it because at the time, being a Republican was not as polarizing right. or right. as extreme as it is now, you know, post-Trump era. Mm. And I considered it because I, I do believe that what makes this country wonderful is this two-party system, right? Mm. Along with checks and balances and many other things, the two-party system is something that works well when the ideals of the parties Are, are the integrity of those ideals are kept alive and well. What happened with Donald Trump is, <clears throat> is a cult of personality freak thing that only happens once every couple hundred years, in my estimation. So I think the more that we get away from it and the more that these older Cubans die off, mm -hmm. y se le quita la bobería, because let's, let's talk like real talk. The reason, one of the big reasons why they were so pro-Trump was because they didn't like that we had un negrito as a president. Yes. I mean, and racism is such a... Is, racism is a huge thing in our community. And I know we don't have time to really kind of get into that either, because that is a whole other cultural divide in, in terms of Cubans, where everybody's... If, if you're Cuban and you have older people in your family, everyone has pointed at their forearm and done the thing to indicate the, the negro, you know what I mean? Like every oh, single, that, yeah. And some of it, every single time been, I'm telling you, so, I mean, and, and a lot of it hasn't even been so hidden. If only it was just like, no. Oh, Oh, oh no, no. And some, oh, and some people head. like, I mean, I was, Jews, raised, the, I'm telling you, I, I was crazy. raised, you know what? If this was, 
if this was Family Feud and someone said, uh, finish this sentence, Cuban Americans, finish this sentence. Uh, si, si, si te casa con un negro, vas a. And everyone, everyone listening to this, if you're super Cuban, you know the end of that sentence. You know Wait, the end of that microaggression. And it's like, it's that's, I was, it was crazy. I was absolutely raised around that. The whole, t- and it was fun. Was why all- this, my grandmother, first president she voted for, Obama. Obama bobblehead, Obama pictures, Obama. People do evolve. It really is. And because also they don't, Honestly, honestly, they don't realize it. They think it's part of the zeitgeist. They think it's part of the this. They thought it was either funny. It, they would say it to their black Cuban friends, I guess, you know, pero at the end of the day, it didn't impact. Obviously, it didn't impact them. They might have thought it was funny. They're white. <laughs> They're white Cuban-Americans. Right. Until it, un, they didn't realize it until it happened to my my friend that I said, the twin, the six foot two, half Cuban, half Colombian black guy. It happened to him when one of, you know, a young lady he wanted to go out with, her parents were like, Oh, I've been I've been the bridge between a white like a white girl dating white guys, and then I was invited. I, I remember I met her parents oh, very you were, quickly. You were, you were white enough. <clears throat> I was I was white enough initially, but also some right form of ethnic, right some form of ethnic. Like oh, he's white, uh, but also mysterious. You know whatever it was. And then I remember I met her family very quickly, and then we broke up. And then she starts dating a black guy, and I was like, was I the bridge? Yeah, yeah, was yeah. I to, to, to what a point utilitarian? They, they were like, uh, <laughs> you were, yeah, you what absolutely were. But that's the thing of like, well, I, I, you know, I know you have to go, but like the the we could talk for hours, man. We, uh, we and if you ever want to come back, absolutely, totally welcome. I will do whatever Chris Kwan tells me to do. Whatever he tells oh, me hey, to you do, better be careful. Oh you better be wow. careful when like, you say uh, things. Listen, we're we're we are cosmically connected at this point. He's absolutely my hermanito. I adore that guy. So see, I'm amazing. I have to be back on the show. I'll be back on it. We'll it's come been back. an absolute we'll, pleasure. We'll talk about anything, yeah, man. I appreciate bro. it. Race but, issues. But we do want to, <laughs> <laughs> but we do want to like, you know, there, the, like one thing I, I would like to say is that we also, there is hope. There is positivity. I think you represent that. I, you know, as you know, we can disagree on parties and all that stuff, but we're like, he, like humanity is humanity. You know what I mean? Like we are still Absolutely. all people. And I think you embody a, a, a lot of that in the sense of, not like in in the sense of for trans rights, literally people wanting to become the humans that they feel they are inside as well as out. Like that is such a, a powerful thing. I, I would <clears throat> it, let's end on a positive note. What is the most hopeful story from Cubans that like like in, in your exposure with these conservative Cubans have has is there a ray of sunshine? Is there a silver lining or something that we can look forward to? In, in 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 any way but you know if, if you've seen it in your in your industry in your work so i, I think it, it's happening slowly but surely i think this this biden election has been the impetus for a rebirth of sorts i think daniela lavin cava becoming the new mayor of miami-dade county a woman mm-hmm. um, who's extremely progressive is starting to change the landscape of um policy and rights as a whole so i think for me i feel like Slowly but surely, things are getting better. We're going to be in a better place than we were pre-Trump because we've well, learned yeah. so much more. Like those dark years, now well, they were like the other day and now they're the dark years, are, are really what we don't want to be. And I think we can all agree on that. And for me, like just being able to 
you know, I, I, I wasn't necessarily a, um, an activist for just trans rights. Mm. The reason why I chose to, to join this organization is because these are the people that are dying almost on a daily basis just simply for being who they are. Right. And if I can use my privilege, if I can use my power, if I can use my whiteness in one way, shape, or form to be El Puente, to be the bridge, for a better tomorrow, that's exactly what I'm going to do. That's why I was put on this earth. You got to to make sure that, mm, yeah. that people that are being shitted on have the opportunity to live complete lives, have the opportunity to live the American dream. Like our, all of our parents came to this country to give us the opportunity to live the American dream. And I know for certain that I've been put in this position in, in my life because it's more than just a professional position mm -hmm. so that I can advocate and be that bridge for so many others as well. So I think for me, that's the light. The fact that, that it will be possible, that policy continues to change, that those older conservative yahoos continue to die off. And a, a new, I know that's all Thank horrible, you, but it's aging process. It's the truth. It's the truth. I feel like there is a lot of room and a lot of hope for a better tomorrow. And I'm happy that I can be a part of that. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Tony, for being with us. And uh, thank you to everybody listening. And if you'd like to follow Tony, uh, do you have social media? Do you have, who should they follow I Ariana do. Center? You can follow Ariana Center on Facebook and on Instagram. You can follow me at Tony Lima 74 on Instagram and Tony Lima on Facebook. I don't have a Twitter anymore mm. because I just couldn't. Yeah. After the last electoral cycle, I was like, I'm getting off of this thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and follow Ariana Center. I mean, if you're in South Florida or in the state of Florida and you have, um, if, if you are transgender, if you need any kind of support, or if you have a family member that is transgender that needs support, reach out to us. We'd be happy to help. We do a little bit of everything from like, you know, helping people find jobs, helping people get ready for the workplace. We do HIV testing. We do linkage to medical health care. Um, we're sort of like full circle, just trying to uplift Wonderful. the lives of the LGBT community as a whole, but with a focus on trans. Wonderful. Um, again, Tony, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. thank, thank you, you. everybody, for listening. Grito uh, Fed, what do you have for Coño, us? Que rico having you on the show, Tony. And uh, seguro que yes, we will see you again soon. Until then... Cógelo suave con, con tequerísime. Missing sock. Oh, there it is. <laughs>